Dear listeners, Sairam, welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30 p.m. to 2.00 p.m. Indian Standard Time. The topic of today's episode is Satyam Shivam Sundaram. The Life Story of Bhagwan Sri Satya Sai Baba and this was first featured as part of Thursday Life on October 3rd 2013 Sairam dear listeners this is Arvind from team Radio Sai enjoying the privilege and honor of welcoming all of you for another segment of a lovely afternoon satsang well this week is going to be a bonus satsang if i may call it so because for almost two weeks now prem and myself yes prem is here joining me prem and myself have been promising the listeners that we will discuss about an amazing series of events that took place at karur where bhagwan delivered his first ever public discourse but somehow or the other definitely de swami's will it has got postponed and even last week when we thought of narrating about this we had a surprise visitor an amazing visitor in mr nagraj who relived some of the most beautiful moments that he and his family had spent in the divine presence of swami in the 1940s and therefore we felt that it would be injustice to our listeners if we postpone it by another fortnight and that is why we decided to have a bonus afternoon satsang on satyam shyam sundaram so that we can finally reach karur and attend bhagwan's first public discourse but before that let me offer my most humble pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet and welcome prem to the satsang sairam prem sairam arvind and sairam to all listeners yes it's that momentous occasion when swami gave his first discourse and you know i was just trying to uh, figure out how many discourses we have of swami now and it's very heartening to know that only radio sai has at least 1500 recordings of swami's discourses and there are thousands more outside there mm-hmm. which need to be gathered and in fact uh, even the satisai speaks which is definitely not the most comprehensive collection of swami's discourses has about 1900 to 2000 discourses recorded okay and i think it's needless to say that many of these discourses which was there in the late 40s and early 50s wouldn't have been part of that collection correct so to imagine so many thousands of discourses that swami must have given and we usually associated because we are humans we always like to associate numbers you know what was swami's message in the 100th discourse what was his message in the 1000th discourse so because there have been so many discourses that have gone unrecorded it becomes difficult to catch the 100th discourse or the 1000th discourse but it's definitely possible to get the first ever recorded public discourse and that makes it thrilling you know because it was the first but before that uh, prem you know i was just thinking about a speciality of the sai avatar of course you know when we discuss about sai avatar specialities over the other avatars we we come across many specialities in fact the satisai avatar is possibly the only avatar to have one such recognition and people becoming aware that the lord is in their midst even when the lord was in their midst no other avatar before enjoyed 
such a thing or maybe uh, let me put it the other way none of the devotees before enjoyed this privilege that we have enjoyed of having been given the opportunity to recognize the lord when he is in our midst but that apart you know i was thinking from the angle of swami's life story because that is what we are talking now i think swami's avatar hood is so special because it has been documented by multiple people different people from different walks of life from the rich to the poor from those who are suffering from those who are spiritually oriented from those who are uh, materialistically oriented different people have written their accounts and captured swami's story which therefore gives us the opportunity to get such a deep as well as such a rich diversity which other avatars didn't enjoy for example if you take ramayana we have only valmiki's account the other accounts which we have of tulsi or even the latest being our own dear professor g venkatraman's account they are all based on you know flashbacks i mean it's not a live account contemporary it's not a contemporary account in the same way when it comes to krishna we have only vyasa but when it's sai we have so many right that is a definite speciality that we enjoy right and it's endless and in fact even as we are speaking here i think one such recording is going on in anandpur we are recording one of the very old devotees who whom we have spoken about in fact in this very series and i think even as we are talking to you now a recording of that elderly devotee yes mrs subaratnamma who had the privilege of being with swami when the collar pin dropped mrs subaratnamma and her brother narsimadas right who were the children of shri anjanelu the excise commissioner swami yes made the the final declaration and sang manasa bhajare thanks to mr nagaraj we got to know these two elderly devotees who are really elderly now and who are now in anandpur and our team is right now at anandpur recording and capturing those moments directly first hand so that's another good news and that's the beauty not only in the form of literature not only in the form of word hmm. but we have even been fortunate to capture them digitally hmm. some of the devotees whom we have had the opportunity to record and whom we are looking forward to record many more of them that's also an advantage you know you can see them especially some of the devotees who have done mrs vijayma the anita mm. sharnam nasti mm. author of that book mm. you could see those scenes coming alive in her eyes when she's narrating those uh, beautiful incidents of the dashara she's been a part of and mm. the chitavati se- session she's been a part of i think that's the advantage also we have technology has given us that age over all the other ages really prem because you know the just the other day i was passing by yajur mandir and for a moment i just stood there and stopped my bike i don't know i felt some kind of attraction i just stood at the gate and i was just reminiscing all the beautiful moments that personally i had experienced at the yajur mandir gates and there were so many in number and at that time you know what struck me was when i had been to the other holy places you know like badrinath kedarnath along the way there are many places you know which people say that this is where this incident of the ramayana happened this is where this incident of the mahabharata happened you come across many such places but that's where the detail ends you know they say that this episode happened if you try to you know you try to go into more details as to how might it have happened what would have been krishna saying what rama would have been doing there's nothing there's nothing you can come uh, you can come up with and i often uh, put swami in that position and imagine if rama had said this to lakshmana how he might have said and the only reference i have is swami because <laughs> that is the only god i have known 
But when it comes to Swami, you know, I feel the future generation is blessed because if at all somebody wants to go in depth and want to really build up a picture of what Swami would have said, the kind of words he would have used, the kind of language he had used, the speed at which he spoke, everything has been documented in some form or the other, and that is indeed a great blessing. Who knows in the future if somebody is able to uh, create a 3D image and really recreate the whole darshan experience alive? We have enough. DNA in the form of experiences, narratives, and recollections, through which we will be able to recreate it. And until such a time comes, we are able to do the same in our own hearts because of the details. I only partly agree with you because uh, one of the freshness about Swami was his unpredictability. Hmm. You know, when we thought that we knew him, when we thought that we knew how Swami would react, Swami yes. would react in a different way. In fact, I'm reminded of a beautiful analogy which Swami himself told one of the old devotees. Hmm. He said, "When you come to me." I am like that untamed horse, mm. okay, and which which is sitting silently, an untamed wild horse, but which is sitting quietly. So you will come up to it and you'll say, "It's a nice horse. It's looking so beautiful," and you'll come and stroke it, and you'll think that I can tame this horse, okay. And the do- horse doesn't say anything, and it lets you mount it. It keeps quiet. It even lets you ride it. It doesn't say anything. But when you think that now I have tamed this horse and I know how to ride this horse, the horse will become violent and it starts jerking you off its back. Hmm. And then you'll say, "No, no, I'm not yet control this horse. I don't know this horse completely." Then after a while, again the horse calms down. Then you'll think, "Ah, now I know the horse better." Then again the horse will start jerking you and trying to push you out. And every time I'm like that horse which tries to jerk you off its back, but I'll also make sure that you don't fall away. Okay, the considerate horse. Right. And Swami said, "I keep doing this because every time you think that I, you know me, I want to tell you that it is never possible to know me." I'm reminded of the story of the sage who set out to learn everything in the Vedas. The Vedas are a thing that have come from God, in the sense that way it is not primarily God. It is something that has arisen from God. And even while studying the Vedas, he seeks elongation of his life by hundred years, hundred years, hundred years. At the end of which, when he actually comes to know what he has studied is a mere pebble compared to the four hills that the Vedas are. he realized that the vedas can never be understood completely by anybody in their lifetimes when that is of the vedas what to say of the vedamata the person who is the source of the vedas so yes in that way i definitely agree to what you say prem we cannot understand because as swami used to always say love my uncertainty right absolutely it takes me back to to the dasara of 1947 mm-hmm. you know that is where we had left off our listeners last time and It was actually after the Dasara of 1947 that the Karur discourse took place. Right. I was reminded of that Dasara because of an incident that took place, which brings out, which highlights, among many other things, mm-hmm. Swami's uncertainty. This is the experience of Sundaramma. You know, we spoke about Sundaramma, the devotee who came to Swami quite early. Okay. Yeah, and so, you know, during this time, Sundaramma's son. a little boy mm-hmm. he got fever and the temperature was rising and it was dasara time so she sought swami's intervention in order to uh, make the boy better swami you know like a doctor gets a thermometer and he puts the thermometer in the boy's mouth to check the temperature mm-hmm. but for some reason the boy crushes the thermometer with his teeth he clenches his teeth hard okay. the thermometer is crushed and the mercury empties onto his tongue mercury as we you know is a poisonous metal in fact it led to that disaster known as the minamata disaster in japan 
because okay. of fish right. taking mercury i mean basically right. just to highlight the fact that mercury is very poisonous so it goes from bad to worse because it was just a fever and now the boy has ingested mercury and swami puts his finger into the mouth of the boy and tries to take out the mercury and he succeeds in getting out some of the mercury but mm-hmm. some of the mercury has gone inside okay. and the boy becomes unconscious now when this happens sundaramma is very 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 upset and in fact she even is angry on swami she says swami he was fine till you came and thrust that thermometer into his mouth now he has become worse do something now something has to be done but swami becomes strangely quiet he just walks he just walks outside the mandir goes to the tulsi mantapam mm-hmm. a place which has been built specifically for growing the tulsi plant and lays down there and apparently goes off into a sleep the bhajans are going on the bhajans conclude the aarti is performed swami mm-hmm. has not woken up after that people don't know what to do so they just shift swami back to the room okay after that swami comes out of his room only at 10 o'clock in the morning the next day <laughs> and when he comes out he walks straight to sundaramma and says sundaramma your son is fine now i have taken out the mercury and then the people begin to realize we they thought swami was sleeping but they knew that swami was in a trance they just didn't know what was happening because this was a common feature those days that is when they realized that swami had gone in a trance to treat sundaramma's son of the mercury poisoning but that was not it swami said that is only one of the things that i did I also visited such and such a devotee in Bangalore and uh, he was crying and weeping he wanted swami's blessings so i went and delivered fruits to him oh but that was not all swami said there was this other person and swami said i will not name him because his wife is sitting here <laughs> he had a severe stomach ache and i went and helped him so that his stomach ache can be cured okay but later on you know swami privately called uh, the wife of one particular raval krishnamurti mm-hmm. and told his wife that you know your husband had this terrible trouble he had a terrible stomach ache i went and helped him so you know swami said that uh, these were three things that he achieved in one trance you know three transcorporeal journeys and in fact later on uh, this raval krishnamurti confirms he says that he had a severe stomach ache and his wife is not in town why because his wife has gone to puttaparthi he doesn't know what to do At that time there's a knock on the door and in comes his friend with a flask of coffee and says that you know I just felt that you're not feeling well and maybe this coffee will help you. So he's amazed he says you know what really I'm not feeling well but I don't know how coffee will help me because I'm having a stomach ache. He says no you have this coffee. He makes him drink almost half a flask of that coffee and leaves the remaining for him and leaves. By evening Rahul Krishnamurthy is feeling much better and so he goes to meet up his friend he meets with him and he says you know thank you so much. what did it really help me maybe that was the perfect thing that i needed then the friend is just bewildered he says what are you talking about he says no you you came home and you delivered that flask of coffee and you stayed with me you spoke to me it felt so good the friend just refused he said no i didn't do any of the thing what you are saying i didn't get any coffee flask by the time raval krishnamurthy realizes what's happening he understands and he sends a silent prayer of gratitude to swami but even before he sent that silent prayer of gratitude swami had already told the people there at home that you know this is what i had done previous evening at the mandir so you know <laughs> you can never predict the way swami does you know there have been times when swami has instantly cured a person but here was a case where swami chose to go into a trance and then heal him in the night so sundaramma's son got freed of his mercury poisoning 
but why swami did the way he did is something that we just appreciate it as the glorious uncertainties of the lord and just enjoy his leelas this was one incident that happened during the dasara of 1947 just reminded of uh, somebody uh, was giving mm-hmm. a discourse on the life of krishna the childhood period when he uh, vanquishes many demons who come to him in various forms one comes in the form of a snake one comes in the form of a crane mm. so at this point you know he makes this very question which you are raising you know why swami did that in that particular way why he did this mm. why did he kill that demon by tearing open the mouth why did he kill that demon by sucking out the life water? yeah yeah in different ways and he said for this very purpose because people like me can sit here and talk about the leelas of krishna and you all can listen to it Otherwise, it will be just ditto, right. ditto, ditto. If everything was done the same way, we wouldn't have this opportunity of shravanam and kirtanam. Wow, <laughs> that's a real beautiful devotee's answer, and I think that is the right thing. You know, if every cancer Swami had cured by just saying cancer cancelled, then what do we speak about? We just list out the names and say ditto, ditto, ditto. But each one is a beautiful story in itself, which we can live and relive so many times. And that's what you know. They say most of these people who do kathas on. Uh, Tulsi Ramayana. That's what they say. Hari Anant, Hari Katha Anant. Hmm. There is no end to how much you can speak about, and that's that's what we're seeing. You know, one of the devotees whom we'll be talking about today, he says that the first time he comes to Swami, uh, who is this? Yeah, Mr. Balapatabi. You know, okay, the first time uh-huh. when he comes to Swami, uh-huh. he's being brought by his brother-in-law, hmm. who's just made one trip to Swami before. Okay, and in that one trip he has made to Swami, he has enough stories to keep them awake the whole night in that journey. Hmm. He's just telling those things which he's heard and which he's seen in that one trip, and wow. he's saying he could keep us awake the whole night. That gives an idea of how much Swami was doing in those days. And you know, I was also reminded with this incident of something that happened uh, very recently, mm-hmm. uh, as late as 2009, I think, when okay. Swami made a trip to Hadshi. You know, this Swami's transcorporeal journeys did not. I cannot say that they were restricted to only that that period because they have heard of the Bhopal uh, incident where right, the revolver right. is with me. We narrated that. So different incidents we have narrated, but it continued even as late as two thousand nine, because you know this is an incident narrated to. I am sure you remember him. Maybe he was your senior by one year, Mr. Vyomesh Thakkar. Right, he was my senior by one year. One right. year, yeah, right. So he narrated that how you know he was on his way from Pune to Bombay. This was when Swami. left hadshi and was going to bombay okay he wanted to be in bombay to receive swami so he was driving along in his car and this was along the pune bombay expressway okay and when they were traveling in the car his car was hit from behind by a truck Right, and right, right. I'm aware of that accident. Yeah, it's quite a bad one. Yeah. Yes, you remember that. Quite right? early in the morning. Early in the morning, he had along with him another passenger. Right. And uh, the other passenger. almost lost consciousness mm-hmm. while uh, vyomesh sustained a terrible injuries in fact the worst was the steering wheel burying itself into his thighs and knees almost okay. oh. which was in a very bad shape he got out of the car he could barely stand he collapsed on the floor and to make matters worse you know it's sad the state of affairs the two three people whom he thought are coming to help him actually looted him took away his purse and belongings and just left him on the road that way and because it was an express way where vehicles are moving at high speed and because it is early in the morning where visibility is poor two more such crashes happened where other vehicles banged into this car but they were so scared that they just drove away which worsened vyomesh situation you know he was sharing he said that the last he remembered was just swami's name after that things went blank 
and when he opened his eyes he was in a hospital his legs had been bandaged he had been treated to some extent and his parents were there in the hospital at pune which really shocked him he wondered how did all this happen so fast because it was just the same day evening so within 12 hours or 14 hours how did so many things happen because it takes a few hours about 4 to 5 hours for people to get from bombay to pune mm-hmm. and how did his parents who were in bombay how did they get to pune that was in his mind okay. and when he inquired from his father his father said that they got a call hours before saying that your son has been injured like this this is a place where his accident has taken place mm-hmm. and within half an hour the caller calls back again and he says that now you don't come to that place because he's now being shifted to the hospital he is in the hospital so you can come to such and such a hospital mm-hmm. After that he again calls and says that in in case you are not able to find a transport this is the place where you have to get a taxi get your taxi and come all details are given by that person mm. and that is how they have landed here and when Vyome says who is that i right now forgot a name the person has given a name also okay they go back to the call registry and use that number and call him back you know that number does not exist they have not heard from that person ever since he is a person whom vyomesh believes got him to the hospital because the doctor also says that the person got him to the hospital but the doctor also knows no details the same name the doctor also says the same name the father also says but that number doesn't exist and that's it with it it's all over so you know as vyomesh was narrating this he had tears of gratitude to swami in his eyes he says because that accident changed my life so i was shocked when he said that how can an accident change your life means i thought maybe because this was an experience where he could feel swami's omnipresence and omnipotence he said yes that is one aspect but the other thing is he, you know he said i was 92 kilos and i had to undergo three surgeries and when the doctor came up for a fourth surgery i didn't want it because my leg was being cut like vegetables you know i had to put rods for support then rods had to be removed then something else muscle has to be strengthened the doctor said there is no other option for you but to go for surgery he said why doctor The doctor said the only other option is you lose weight. How many kilos? Thirty kilos. <laughs> And you are not allowed to exercise because your legs are not in any condition. Right. Only through diet can you lose thirty kilos. He said that was when I prayed to Swami and I said, Doctor, I will do it, but please don't operate anymore. Don't keep cutting me so many times. And he says with that inspiration, in a span of five months, he lost thirty kilograms from ninety-two. He came down to sixty-two. And today he is driving the car. In fact, I heard this whole story when we were driving 500 kilometers to a district <laughs> south of Karnataka recently, and he was driving. He did the whole journey, absolutely fit, fine, and he says, "My life, everything has changed. I've lost my weight. I've become much more better. So many things have changed." And he is grateful to Swami for the accident and for taking care of him in such a beautiful manner. So you know, Swami. has his own reasons why he allows some things to happen why he allows an accident why he allows a mercury poisoning and why he does things in the different ways as you beautifully put it so that we have different leelas to discuss about then that's the beauty you know if you look at the human body itself you know why are we living right now it is because mm-hmm. we breathe in the air and mm-hmm. we have the ability to take only what is good in the air what is necessary for us we take in the oxygen and leave out this very incident you narrated imagine he could have questioned why did you let the accident happen to me hmm. but he was grateful for the help which came after that hmm i think in us in our life every time every time when swami comes to help us it is the same swami who has permitted that wrong thing or that unpleasant thing to happen in our life after which he came to help us hmm. but i think those who give gratitude for the help which came 
and don't blame Swami for the problem which came. They are the ones who actually benefit and grow from that incident. And I think that's the speciality of humanness itself. Because why are we a superior species to most of the other animals in the world? Because we can pick out what is what is right for us and we can discard. You know, we can pick what is the right food, right nutrients from the things and discard what is not necessary for us. Correct. And that, as you rightly put it, it's very important that we have the ability to do this for all our life experiences also. Absolutely. Because when we question why is Swami doing this, you know, the answer that struck me, I don't remember how exactly this answer arrived to me, but the answer that struck me is the difference between divine love and human love. You know, human love, if I say I love you, I want to see you happy. So how do I make you happy? Anything that I do, which makes your mind and body happy, I feel is making you happy. But divine love is not like that. Divine love always concentrates on the progress of the soul. And sometimes for the progress of the soul, the suffering of the mind and body is necessary. And when such a thing happens, where for the progress of the soul, the mind and body are made to suffer, we feel that God is being cruel. Because our limited, narrow, petty love depends only on how happy the body and mind is. Sometimes, we do not realize that is what happens right in pleasures and other things where the body and mind may seem to be happy but the soul is being pulled into the dark corners the lord comes with divine pure love for the uplift of the soul so we will be able to see the positive the way vyomesh did and the way we all devotees should if only we are interested in divine love and when if we have this faith that the divine love will always make my soul progress irrespective of what's happening to my body and mind. And having said that, that happens only when you know the value of spiritual progress over the well-being of the body. Correct. And I Correct. think that's the thing which Swami keeps doing side by side. You know, Apart mm. from giving you the experiences which will endear you to Him, He's also giving you the spiritual wisdom that you're not just the body. And I think it goes hand in hand. He gives us the message that you're not a body with a soul. You're a soul that has just taken on this body. And bodies may be many. It's the soul that is important. Really. The soul is the sole purpose of life. That is what (laughs) Swami keeps harping upon. And in fact, that was one of the most beautiful points that Swami made during His first discourse at Karur. We shall come to that maybe after a little break.
Back after that break, I think we've uh, kept our listeners waiting a bit too long for that first discourse. So, yes, Arvind, let's dive in and go to that first discourse at Karur. Yes, okay. Uh, well, how this came about is devotees from Karur had actually come for Dasara during 1947. And during the Dasara celebrations, that is when they forced Swami and said, Swami, you must come to Karur, you must come to Karur. And good news for them, Swami agreed. And that was how it happened. October 24th, as we spoke in the satsangs before the last one, that is the two satsangs before, Swami actually went and, you know, granted the ultimate boon to Sulochana, right, the right. daughter of Ranjot Singh. We spoke about it. That was October 24th. October 25th, Swami moved to Karur. Mm-hmm. And it was a phenomenal uh, experience because this was going to be a kind of a public appearance, a public darshan or something like that, which was happening for the first time outside Puttaparthi. Yes, when Swami used to visit Bangalore or other places, there used to be some gatherings, but what was planned at Karur was something unimaginable in those days. So, in fact, just imagine, they got a special vehicle made so that Swami's journey to Karur can be comfortable. A chassis of a vehicle was bought from the Addison and Company. Mm-hmm. from the company called Edison okay. & Company which exists even to this day. Right. It's I think some ama- amalgamation company in Chennai. Right. It's a big company and they bought a vehicle chassis and specially constructed a vehicle with comfortable seating to take Swami to Karur. And uh, Swami's host at Karur was a certain Raj Gopal Chettier and his entire family and they awaited him. They had a two-story house and Swami was on the uh, upper story the idea was the balcony can be used by Swami to give darshan. Anybody is wondering if they have anything to do with the Karur Vaishya Bank. I think some of the people who hosted Swami were from that family. Huh. Oh, okay. Which started the Karur Vaishya Bank. Oh, that's fantastic. That's news even for me. That's wonderful. So, one interesting thing happened, you know, when Swami went to Karur, a group of rationalists, so-called rationalists, you know, who try to prove that God doesn't exist, God is nonsense, God is rubbish, all these things. And their goal is to create a kind of havoc and panic and try to, you know, disprove all this. They take pride in that. Okay. And they have their own following. So a group of rationalists wanted to camp at Karur Mm -hmm. in order to, you know, attack Swami. Attack Swami verbally and through their challenges. Now the host didn't want all this. So the minute he came to know of this, he didn't get Swami directly to his house. He took him off to a Rama temple in the outskirts of the town. And he said, Swami, let's have one session here only. So, he avoided, you know, he avoided that kind of a confrontation. Yeah, I think it's bad luck for the people. They could not even see Swami, the rationalists. And it was only after they had left that in the evening, he got them home. So, once he got Swami home, they were 
huge crowds that began to gather that was when actually the news spread that swami has come till then they did not because you know in those days itself they realized the wisdom of when it comes to swami until it actually happens do not you know do not because swami's timing we never know swami says tomorrow we will do it i will give it but we don't know the exact timing because he's kala kala enama kala tita enama so they had not announced at all they had said that we wish to bring swami they had not announced that they're getting swami the minute swami landed they said yes now swami is in karur and huge crowds gathered so much so that you know they were all pining and thirsting for swami and when swami came to the balcony he saw that there was a huge crowd so he said i will go down and interact with them they had set up a separate platform on which they wanted swami to be mm-hmm. but swami said no how can i be on the separate platform comfortably when all of you are struggling so much i will come down and be with you they said no swami you know the crowd by then itself such a mass appeal swami had they all shouted no swami please you be on stage please don't come it's not right that you get inconvenienced swami said nothing doing what uh, suffering you are going through the same should be for me i am no special that was when an intelligent devotee maybe you know brought up an argument saying swami if you come down all of us will not be able to see you okay please swami please be on stage when that argument was put that was when swami agreed and remained on the stage you know it is so beautiful and poignant in its message swami never does anything for himself it's always for the devotees he did not stay on stage because it's comfortable for him the only reason he stayed on stage and continued to be there throughout his life after that also was only because when he's on stage people can see him better in fact that is what happened right even in kulwant hall I used to say that you know once swami shifted from walking to the wheelchair it became tough to see swami and that's why for the sake of the people a new right. one foot stage was constructed so in the kulwant hall seen better in fact you know that was one thing which swami used to tell about giving special audience to vips also hmm when uh, many of these ministers or royalty come mm. swami would call them and give them a thing and when that maybe somebody felt why special preference has been given for them swami said i just call them speak to them so that they can leave so that they don't inconvenience the other devotees oh. with their entourage that happens right you know when the prime minister was coming during the convocation they had 3 days of practice the police because of which for 6 hours all traffic and all roads in puttaparthi were blocked for no apparent reason because it was a police drill I mean a VIP visit is invariably a lot of inconvenience and as you rightly said Swami would try to finish the interview and dispense with them soon so that the devotees are not inconvenienced and that was how Swami remained on stage in Karur that day and then the discourse that day you know Swami started off with his childhood mm-hmm. it is so beautiful because the first public discourse that Swami gave Swami spoke about his life and you know the a reason behind why we have started even this satyam shyam sundaram is because his life is his message often just knowing the stories of swami is enough to learn what is swami's life message and so swami began to narrate all his childhood stories and they say that many people in the crowd were moved to tears because the lord whom they were worshiping just 4 years back was being treated in such a harsh manner had led such a harsh life so they were in tears and then swami continued to speak about what was his goal for every person and the most striking statement that swami made there is your body has been given for the sake of society give your body for the society but remember your heart is not to be given to the society your heart is meant only for god so that was a central theme around which swami spoke dilated that 
give your body for society give your heart to god i feel that is such a powerful simple message it also you know is like hands in the society you are born in society you have to work for society but let your heart be a single seat sofa in which only the lord is seated having spoken all this swami then said if anybody has questions i am ready to answer now oh. people were taken aback because this was not expected and later on they found out that indeed there were those rationalists you know mm-hmm. who had come to challenge and question swami and create a problem they had come with a set of questions but surprisingly they did not get up to ask the questions something had happened a transformation had set in their hearts they were just so touched by swami by whatever i mean nobody knows whether it was the discourse or whether it was the darshan or whether it was the people spining for swami and swami spining for the people they just refused to ask any question they said no we have no questions to ask but swami made that statement because of which everybody got to know that there were indeed these rationalists who had come with the questions so when there were no questions that were asked swami then walked back to the host's house climbed back to his balcony came out to the balcony so that now everybody could see him better and then sang bhajans which people followed down he asked for a microphone a microphone was shifted up and from there swami sang bhajans and the whole place reverberated with those bhajans that was the memorable first public discourse which swami delivered at karur beautiful if even as you are describing that question answer session which didn't happen hmm you know the famous adage which goes describing god which is mukam karoti vachalam you know the god can make the dumb speak but here was a thing of the opposite you know the the eloquent can be made speechless hmm. by the lord and in fact swami did the other also mukam karoti vachalam also happened in that karur visit oh okay because during that karur visit when swami was going around giving darshan swami picked up one girl hmm. who had come with her father not a very well off person hmm. and swami went up to this girl and started asking her what is your name and it's a, a very small 7 year old girl and her father came forward to answer because hmm. that girl was dumb actually from birth oh okay but swami wouldn't even look at her father swami hmm. continued his conversation with the girl and swami was going on asking her what is your name and to the utter shock of her father hmm. the girl looked at swami and said swami she addressed swami oh in words okay. she said swami uh-huh. and then swami went on to ask what is your name and that girl told her name swami asked her what is your father's name she told her father's name and she answered a barrage of questions from swami and then her father said swami she has been dumb from her birth hmm. swami said she is no more in blister so imagine in that same visit swami was making some eloquent speechless and the dumb to speak right you know when you spoke about the little girl i was reminded that when swami came down from the balcony the you know not from the balcony i mean from his room when he came down to his host's home he found out that rajgopal chettiar's granddaughter was crying incessantly mm-hmm. apparently she had some sort of an ear infection because of which it was paining and she was going on crying so they did not know what to do the, there were crowds gathered outside they did not know where to get the doctor from so swami said don't worry waved his hand materialized vibhuti and put it in water and told the girl to take it and with that she was cured of her ear infection so this also swami is doing but before that you know one more interesting thing that i forgot after swami completed his bhajan singing in the balcony you know he saw that on an opposite balcony there was a photographer who was standing and taking pictures and swami said hey stop 
So the photographer wondered why Swami was telling him to stop. Swami said, "What are you clicking? Because there is no film in your camera." Please remind me, Prem, in case I forget that this was the incident that I'm leaving. Because I was reminded that you know, on many occasions, Swami, when I was shooting photos, Swami used to say, "Hey, camera me roll hai." Swami, the film hai. He used to ask, "Do you have film in the camera?" I said, "Yes, Swami, it is there." And okay, Swami, la battery hai. Yes, okay, good. So uh, when the digital age came, exactly, I was about to say that. You continue. Yeah, yeah. So when the digital age came, one day Swami asked, "Camera me film hai?" Swami asked, "Do you have film in the camera?" I said, "No, Swami. There's no film in the camera because there was no film." Immediately, Swami didn't allow me to proceed at all. Swami said, "Dekho, what a foolish fellow. He doesn't put film in the camera and he's simply taking him photos." So I wanted to explain to him that you know there's a memory chip, and but Swami didn't give me a chance at all. A few days later, once more, Swami, you know, out of the blue, just called me. I was sitting in the crowd with the students. Swami just asked me, "Hey, photographer, do you have film in the camera?" So this time I didn't want to get caught like last time. So I opened up the camera, pulled out the memory card. It was an SD card, <laughs> and showed it to him and said, "Swami, Swami, card is there, Swami, card." Swami said, "Film unda? Is there film?" I said, "No, Swami, card is there." Mm-hmm. Swami said, "Sit down," and then Swami said, "See." I told, still no use, still no film in the camera. <laughs> Swami continued. I mean, if Swami chooses that he does not want to understand what you're saying, what can you do? It was a nice joke. Everyone laughed. I also enjoyed. I was recollecting this when I was reading this episode where Swami asked the photographer, "Why are you taking photos? There's no film in your camera." And for this photographer, you know, this person immediately opened up his camera, which is a dangerous thing to do because the film can right, get, get exposed. exposed. But because Swami said it that way, he opened it, and guess what? There was no film in the camera, and he was shocked because he remembered that he had loaded the film, and how is it that the film has disappeared? And there, Swami waves his hand, materializes the film roll, and throws it across for the photographer, and says, "Pull it in, and then now shoot." So the people got so thrilled; they also started clamoring for something, and Swami waved his hand, materialized peppermints, talismans, many things, lockets. And threw them down to the crowds, and you know the way Swami used to throw chocolates, and all of us used to jump up and catch. In the same way, all the devotees jumped up. Many people got many things, and that was a reason. You know, we can say that you know Swami's popularity also began to rise because people said, "Wow, amazing! We can get back some memorabilia or some kind of talisman or some kind of remembrance of having met Swami." So more and more people began to gather, and that was when. Swami was now invited to Udumalpet, right, from Karur. Even as these people went from Karur to visit uh, Swami and invite him, Mr. Balapathabi, he was from Udumalpet, a person who came to Swami in 1944. Oh. So he went and requested Swami to come to Udumalpet because Udumalpet is about, uh, I think, right now if you see, it's about three hours drive from Karur. <laughs> okay. In those days it might have taken much longer. Mm. So he said, Swami. I would be very happy if you would visit Udmalpet and visit my house too. And of course, I think he didn't expect Swami to agree, but Swami agreed readily. <laughs> Swami said, "Yes, I'll come." And that's how Swami made that visit to Udmalpet. And after Swami came to Karur, uh, Balapatabi goes back to Udmalpet, and there again he gets a special vehicle for Swami. Of course, mm. it's not a specially modified vehicle; it's a brand new vehicle that one of the truck owners in his town has just bought. Okay. So he goes and requests him for that truck, saying that you know I want to bring Swami to a town, and he readily gives, and that's how he comes to Karur to. So it's a mini truck or a van, like right? Thing. It's something like a matador, you could say. Oh, okay, okay, you a know? van. Yeah, enough space for the people a sitting behind, van. right? Uh-huh. So that's how it happens. He comes to Karur and picks up Swami, 
and along with Chami comes Sakamba. Then the coffee party Sakamba. Coffee estate, huh? Yes. Right. Yes. And uh, Mr. Balapattabi and one one more relative of his. Mm. So they come and in the way they stop at one place and the driver very very worriedly looks at the petrol tank because there's very less petrol and as it's happened so many times before, Swami says that tell him not to worry. He mm. doesn't need any petrol to take me. And that's what happens. Swami goes to this Udumal Pet. and goes to balapatabi's house i think around 11 or something in the morning they reach there so lunch is ready so he requests swami to have lunch mm-hmm. swami says yes of course i'll definitely have lunch and so they bring all the silverware okay. and that's when swami says no i don't want to have in silver plate and the silver vessels mm-hmm. serve me on a banana leaf okay and so swami sits down and they put a banana leaf and swami starts eating Mm-hmm. and that's when sakama actually comes sakama tells balapattabi's wife i'm really surprised that swami is sitting and having food mm-hmm. because swami never readily accepts an invitation to have food swami is very fussy about food okay and i'm really surprised that swami is having and swami is eating quite sumptuously mm-hmm. and swami gave her a very cold stare and said what are you saying like this this mm-hmm. is my house oh why should i feel shy to have food here and so blessed it, indeed is right, balapattabi can imagine yeah. how thrilled they were to hear that mm-hmm. But then after Swami had this food Swami did a very weird thing Swami folded that banana leaf with which he had that food mm-hmm. came out of the house and showed one particular spot and he said you dig a pit here okay and Swami said bury this banana leaf there or the banana leaf on which on he had, which had Swami food had food mm. Swami said bury it here and it was covered and Swami I think materialized some vibhuti placed it on that spot and then Swami materialized a tulsi sapling and Swami materialized said, a sapling Yes, materialized oh. a tulsi sapling. Okay. And had it planted there, and uh-huh. Swami said, "Worship it." Okay. And then Swami went, and I think uh, Swami took rest for a while. They had specially made beds and pillows for Swami, mm-hmm. so Swami is taking rest for a while. Then Swami came back, and this time, what Swami did was came to that spot where he sat and had that food, mm-hmm. and Swami said, "Draw a column here, uh, Rangoli." A pattern on the floor. Yes, yeah, on the, the drawing. Floor. And mm-hmm. uh, Swami again materialized Bhuputi, materialized some precious gems. put it on that spot and then swami said install that rama statue which i gave you here oh swami had given him a rama yes, statue and that has a big story too oh, the rama okay. statue a very interesting one maybe we will divert from karur and go back to putaparthi where swami gave him that rama statue uh-huh. during one of the times when swami was in chitravati sands you know swami was uh, with all the devotees mm-hmm. it was during the dashara time just okay. the dashara preceding that to that karur visit mm. Swami made a mound of sand, and from there he pulled out this four-inch statue of Rama, Rama holding the bow, Kodanda Rama, Kodanda Rama, mm. and he gave it to Balapatabi, and he held it in his right hand, and just when that materialization happened, Swami sang this song that Rama is born and Lanka is going to burn, one okay. Telugu song. Okay, and okay. even as Swami did that, they realized that one of the tents which were put up by the devotees went up in flames. Oh, okay. and immediately huh. everybody ran and got up to put off the flame swami also got up and went towards that tent you know to put off the flame he realized that he couldn't get up because this 4 inch statue which swami had materialized was so heavy that balapatabi could not get up wow what was it made of osmium and <laughs> to what it was and he said it was so heavy he couldn't get up and not only could he not get up mm-hmm. the other devotee with him was trying to help him out even he got stuck in the place trying to pull him up Okay. You know, so both of these people were rooted there, and all the other devotees ran towards the tent to put off the flame. And I think Swami just waved his hand that the flame was taken care of. So Swami came back, and Swami realized that Balapatabi is still sitting there. So Swami just stroked that statue again, 
and instantly it became lighter how wow. heavy a 4 inch statue should be so then balabata bhi could get up just a pause here prem i mean i feel if we actually relive through this episode it is so phenomenal and so fantastic 4 inch means it might be the size of a cell phone right an object the size of a cell phone is able to weigh you down and you are not able to get up i mean that is something really supernatural and divine because even if we take osmium osmium is supposed to be the densest uh, material on earth okay even osmium of that size will not weigh so much it might be thrice or four times as heavy as an iron bar of that size mm-hmm. and an iron bar of that size if you make it four times heavier i don't think it has the capacity to weigh you down i mean many of these incidents we narrate it and we just you know maybe it just touches the surface of our minds and intellect and goes away but if we really ponder deeply on it every single such instance is enough to prove swami's divinity i mean we don't need to discuss 10 15 miracles just this one single thing and the ability to just stroke out its density i mean just a touch and it's back to light uh, light weightedness this is no uh, illusion or anything like that absolutely and you know as you were saying people might claim that the statue was buried there before and swami went to that very same spot and pulled it out but how can you explain this super dense statue and then it becoming absolutely normal weight mm. with the stroke of his hand and as you said these are the things which definitely is beyond reason and i think it goes back to the point we discussed during the last satsang or maybe one before that that swami always gives ample opportunities for the one with faith and for the doubter too so both can be happy the <laughs> doubter can sh- say that ah therefore this is the doubt so the person with faith can say that therefore this is a point of faith i think that is the maya aspect of swami and it is up to us to choose whether we are on the doubter side or on the faithful side right and in fact that is what swami says that faith is actually not built on experience hmm. you know it just has an experience to narrate but faith stands on its own and i think even uh, <laughs> detractors also is the same thing you know it's not on any reason i think anybody who claims that swami's miracles are not true will not have any argument to stand against these things which we have narrating here but just their conviction that it's not true that's right all. they just feel that there's there's something some part of it undocumented or there must be something more to it so i think it's no point speaking about that hmm. coming back to this statue you know in the meanwhile when swami went and put off the flame of that tent and came back this person who was with balapatabhi one mr vishweshwar rao hmm. he said hey, look there's something very suspicious about this statue which swami is materialized <laughs> even the moment it comes into being it could destroy you know, something there's some there. destruction somewhere uh-huh. it seems to be he didn't say it's unholy or anything like that he said it seems to be a very very potent statue and maybe not everybody will have the ability to have it worship the right way hmm. so he said it would be best to return it to swami you know don't have any desires on it return it to swami if swami permits you so meanwhile swami comes back and that's when swami you know makes the statue lighter and as you were narrating the other episode where swami says get the rama statue so therefore we already know that he was not able to return it to swami right <laughs> how what happened and why he couldn't return it to swami that's an interesting thing hmm. so he goes back he tells his wife the events which happened so the wife also is a little scared you know with this statue but they don't say anything they have their dinner they go back to sleep but they're not able to go to sleep you know they hmm. worried about the statue will they have the ability to take care of the statue the way it has to be so in the middle of the night you know both of them husband and wife wake up they go sit outside swami's room 
so in the 40s yeah in the 40s okay. so it's too late they don't even feel like knocking the door and disturbing swami hmm. they just sit outside swami's room with that statue hoping that if swami comes out they'll give it to swami and say that swami please have it and without anybody telling swami that anybody knocking the door swami opens the door and comes out hmm. swami says what is it what is it why are you not able to sleep and balapatabi gives the statue to swami he said swami please take this back and i don't think i will be able to handle this it's too potent for me hmm then swami tells him that what maximum is going to happen to you you know mm. you're saying that it's inauspicious what maximum is going to happen to you you will die mm. that's all that can happen right oh that's all i mean okay and swami goes on to say are all your ancestors alive today are all your mothers and fathers and their mothers and fathers alive today mm. then why are you scared of death and then swami goes on to say that your body and my body all this have come it has to go one day mm. he said why fearing death should you give back something which is so special oh and swami said this is going to help you in your spiritual progress so keep it with you so going back to that point where you said you know swami is not somebody who just takes care of that body and the attachments of that body here was another incident of that swami saying that it might harm your body but it's for your spiritual progress so mm. keep it and this was the very same statue swami was asking for and swami installed that statue in balapatabi's house Okay, so he wanted to return it to Swami, and Swami went all the way to his house and ensured that it's installed over there. But you know, his fears were not completely allayed because uh-huh. after Swami had installed that statue, there was another incident which happened. Uh-huh. One day, when his wife was worshiping that statue, hmm. she was lighting a lamp, and that matchstick fell on her sari. She it caught fire, so that fear okay. was always there. They felt it was something like a jinxed thing, right? All through his experience, that's what he says that they were dwindling between faith and worry. you know should we accept swami completely or should we things which were happening were scary but i think that's what surrender can do you know even when you don't have faith hmm. even the other day one of our friends were narrating when he told swami that swami i don't have faith if you love me it's enough if you love me it's enough i think that's the case with these people they had immense love for swami you know hmm. even when things were deterring them away from that they had love for swami so the fear was taken care of and the faith was taken care of and that is what you know if we see uh, is what our scriptures say you know they say have daiva preeti papa bhiti if you have daiva preeti i think papa bhiti almost automatically comes in and daiva preeti is the uh, that is love for god love for god and fear for sin i mean uh, love for god helps you to have fear for sin and helps you overcome your fear of god i mean these people had ample opportunities to get scared of swami because of the things that were happening in their life but their love for swami helped them overcome everything and that is really a tribute or an ode that we should pay to these devotees who held on to swami no matter what in times when when nobody recognized swami also that's really a great hats off to mr balapattabi so there are a couple of other incidents which happened during that udmalpet visit maybe we'll just take a short break we'll come back to that incident which happens after this incident which we narrated now ईश्वरा कमल नेत्र 
So that beautiful bhajan let's go back to udmal pet a time when uh, bhajans might have sounded just like these maybe <laughs> but going by the description which uh, mr nagraj was giving us last week uh-huh. he said these were all uh, namasankirtans correct these are not the bhajans these are not the bhajans bhajans were more of the telugu songs which 
like the one which we played in the previous break yeah uh, maybe today if it's played it will be classified as a song and not as a bhajan right hmm And so yes prem you were talking about uh, swami's visit to balapatabi's house right. and swami has just now uh, installed the rama statue yes and then what so happens so this was next? sometime in the afternoon so after all this was over hmm again just like in karur udhunal pet also there were lot of devotees who had by then gathered wanting to have swami's darshan some of them managed to push all of them to balapatabi's brother's house which happened to have a larger ground outside the house courtyard ha huh? So Swami went and satisfied all the devotees there, and then Swami went to Balapatabi's brother's house, hmm. and there they performed Pada Puja for Swami. You know that worship of Swami's feet. Hmm. They had the Ganga water in their house. They used that to perform Swami's uh, Pada Puja. And at the end of the Pada Puja, Balapatabi took a coconut to go outside the house and break it. And you know that's one of the offerings you make when yeah, you do puja, right? Yeah, and it's considered auspicious also. Yes. So when Balapatabi went out to break the coconut, Swami called him back and he said, "No, you don't have to break the coconut." Swami takes the coconut from him and draws a line with his forefinger right in the middle of that coconut, like the equator of the coconut. Yeah, exactly, equator <laughs> across the equator of the coconut, and the coconut breaks into two equal halves. Oh, without any. Oh my God. Okay. okay it just opens up, and the huh. water in it is not spilling. Okay. It just opened up, and then Swami materializes nine small statues, Navagraha statues. Oh, these are the nine planets which are supposed to influence everybody's destinies. Right. Okay. So, golden statues, nine Navagraha statues, Swami materializes and stuffs it into this coconut. Okay. Okay. In the water, he places them. Yeah, into that uh, kernel in the yeah, shell. Yeah, in the shell of coconut, stuffs it inside, and it's first of all a wonder how Swami broke that coconut. No wonder how Swami materialized that, and it's a greater wonder how all those nine statues fitted fit into, into that coconut. Then after Swami did that, Swami again closed the coconut, again ran his forefinger across that line, and that coconut was whole again, sealed back. Sealed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then Swami pulled out the handkerchief from Balapatabi's shirt, tied that coconut in that, and gave it to him. And he said, "You take it to your house and bury it under the third door in your house." Oh my God! You know, those days the houses used to be like, uh, there used to be a row of doors, right? You will have the first entrance door, then you would go to the next door, which will lead to the inner chamber. They will all be in one row. Hmm, so hmm, Swami hmm. said, "Bury it under the third door oh. in your house." So immediately Balapatabi gave it to his wife and said, "You keep it safe. We'll put it later." You know, uh, Prem, I was just thinking again and again on the same point that uh, you brought up in the beginning. You know, when you said, "Why Swami does such a variety?" It is just so that. we can discuss about it and we can discuss how each one is different from the other but all of them bring in the same message of love and divine grace you know when you were narrating this i just felt many times you know when we are starting something people say uh, i hope nothing inauspicious happens and in our indian languages it is said that hope the navagrahas don't bother i mean that is why every temple beat of any god in one corner there is also a navagraha temple which is like you have to get god's grace but also you know appease the nine planets so that they do not bring up any obstacles in your path but you know swami has time and again repeated in his discourses when you have god's anugraha which is god's grace what can the navagraha do to you what can the nine planets do to you and i feel this incident shows what swami can do to the nine planets I mean, he can just he can just stuff them, drown them in water, and put them in a coconut and bury them off. I mean, that is the power of Swami's grace. And if we win Swami's grace, we need not worry about you know bad luck or ill luck or anything striking because whatever is happening in our life is for our good. 
uh, that was a thought that came in my head when you narrated this incident of the <laughs> very true you know but if you look at it in a different angle hmm. as you saying when swami's anugraha is that what the navagrahas can do hmm. i think if we are in a position to accept whatever happens to us hmm. as god's anugraha the idea of going by navagraha is because there exactly. are there are a set of things which we want and there are a set of things which we, we do don't want. want correct but hmm. if we accept that whatever comes my way is what swami is giving me and i have absolutely no choosing to do between the two correct then you will never turn to these navagrahas and all that i think that is a process which each one of us are going through where swami is making us that equanimous self and then you know uh, yes coming back to the story here i remember reading about the experience of kumara swami kumara swami was the driver who drove swami from right. karur to udmalpet and udmalpet exactly. back to karur when when uh, balapatabi borrowed that van he came with this driver yes the Mr. chauffeur Kumar. came free right kumar swami <laughs> yeah now the thing is this kumar swami was a atheist was an atheist he did not believe in god itself so there was no way he was going to get even the least attracted to baba and all this so he just did his job as a chauffeur he did not bother who who were what was the contents of the car i mean he did not worry about who were the passengers who were it was his job is to ferry and he gets paid for it that's why he was doing it one day when he was standing in one corner by himself and he was smoking no actually this incident happened ha uh-huh. after the udmalpet visit swami was driving back to karur yes exactly in the evening yeah yeah correct it it's, was it's on the, the return day. it's not during the drive from karur to udmalpet but right. from udmalpet to karur so he was smoking and standing by himself and swami goes to him and swami tells him to put away the bd that he is smoking so out of simply out of respect for the master because he is the one who has apparently hired the car so he just throws it away then swami asks him do you like vibhuti so he says why should i like vibhuti anyway swami materialism vibhuti for him in fact he says that only those who want to show off their devotion ha exactly yes thanks thanks prem yeah that's what he says he says those who want to show off their devotion put vibhuti so swami materialized vibhuti for him and then swami asks him do you like vadas he says who does not like vadas everybody likes vadas vadas is a kind of fried delicacy right in south india and it's really awesome to taste <laughs> i mean both of us can personally vouch for that right so he says who does not like vadas and swami says do you like your mother's vadas he says i have no mother swami immediately smiles and tells him you mean to say you came without a mother how can it be possible you have a mother and she used to make very tasty vadas now you know the driver some a blow strikes him he just becomes silent and swami says do you remember that incident when she was making vadas the driver has no recollection and swami starts narrating to him of how when he was just about 3 years old when his mother was frying these vadas in oil he goes and hugs his mother from behind the mother is surprised and taken aback and some of the boiling oil spills and then he still not recollecting when swami suddenly grips his hand and presses at a spot and then in that recollection he almost screams because when he exposes his hand exactly over there is a huge scar and swami says this is the scar that that boiling oil made and this was an incident that the driver himself had almost forgotten and he had not shared it with anybody else the minute swami does this he's on his knees there are tears in his eyes and in an instant a staunch atheist has become a firm devotee of swami 
that is what happened to kumaraswami you know that's the beauty if you look at it i think as a driver he has driven a car which had less petrol first of all correct way, and he is still correct. driving it without petrol and in fact another incident happens when before this in a place called dharapuram on mm. the way to karur swami mm. stops near a canal and swami says get me some water okay so the driver takes a pot and goes to the canal and the moment he dips the pot into the canal the water dries up okay so he shocked and he comes back to say that there's no water there then swami sends balapatabi when he goes the water is already flowing again oh okay so imagine he's witnessed all these things and he's heard definitely people talking about swami he's seen swami make that dumb girl speak and all that but it takes that personal touch to win your heart that swami has done to each one of us right be it a cobbler be it a driver be it anybody be it this business class because all these were chettiars hmm. the people who hosted swami in karur mr balapatabi himself was a chettiar and the royalty i think swami did it for everybody there was no uh, differentiation in that and as we know the story of the driver does not stop with this personal touch right. swami gave him another memorable personal touch and i think you should narrate that yes you know you know after all this in fact that is what the driver tells swami he said swami mm. i have seen all this i have seen this vehicle going without petrol i have heard people talk all this but you know now i just cannot deny you after what you've done for me because this incident which you're narrating to me even i do not remember it mm. it was told to me by my elders because i lost my mother when i was 4 years old mm. and then after that the reason why swami stopped the car then was that it was a very beautiful moonlit night and swami wanted to take a walk okay. in the middle of the journey mm. so sakamma and swami and balapata be all are walking and then comes back and that incident happens with the driver then swami pulls out his license book you know nowadays you have a license card mm. those days it used to be a small uh, booklet a driving license yes yes uh-huh. so swami pulls out that license book from his pocket mm. and swami materializes a picture of himself Mm-hmm. If a photographer was to take a picture right then, you know, oh, in the moonlit night, in the moonlit light, okay, the breeze blowing across Swami's hair and the you know the the hair flowing across Swami's forehead, just exactly as that driver was seeing Swami, that picture was materialized, and Swami put it on that book just next to the driver's photo, and that photo stuck onto the license. Oh, okay, huh? Something like a you know a memento for him. Huh? So Swami folded the license, puts it back into his pocket. and then starts talking something and suddenly swami says hey, i have forgotten to put the date and time hmm. in that photo hmm. swami takes back that book opens that license and touches the photo and there the date of that occasion and the time gets printed mobile inkjet printer <laughs> you know another beautiful aspect prem in this story you know when it uh, came out when he says i don't have a mother and swami says do you think you came without a mother i'm reminded of maybe we can conclude on this note i am reminded of a statement that swami made during the 50th birthday discourses in 1975 he said that the emperor of the land sent a lot of riches to kabirdas you know the kabirdas the right, right. philosopher poet and um, saint saying that since you are an orphan you know kabirdas nobody knows who were his parents he was brought up by foster parents right. so since you are an orphan please accept these riches use them for yourself that was the way the king sent a message and kabirdas tells him swami is narrating this he says kabirdas tells him that i am not an anatha anatha is the sanskrit word for uh, orphan he says i am not an anatha because i have anatha and my natha is rama and then he says rama is an anatha because he has no natha 
there is no lord for rama and therefore rama my lord rama is an anatha he is an orphan go and give all these riches to him and then swami continues to tell in his discourse how can anyone in the world be an anatha when i am there swami says how can anyone be an orphan when i am there if at all there is an anatha that is only me because a natha means one who has no natha or one who has no one above him to take care of him and swami says i have no one about to take care of me but when you have me you can never call and nobody in the world can ever be an anatha and that is the blessing that all those devotees got that is a blessing that we also got, have got and we have to enjoy this to its fullest and you know uh, going back to that story when swami did all this and returned back to karur there were devotees thronging because his story spread so fast and so so furiously i mean karur was crowded in fact uh, it is recorded that the day swami returned mm-hmm. in the middle of the night a group of devotees landed up and they started doing bhajans on the road outside the host's house okay people would often come in the middle of the night and reserve their places mm-hmm. you know waiting for uh, swami to come for darshan because they wanted to have a good darshan and reserve their places that used to happen in those days itself and in the midnight when they started doing bhajan the host came and requested them saying that you know do not disturb swami but to their great joy in the middle of the night in the balcony there was swami standing and swami said i am not tired they are tired papam they have traveled so far as long as they want let them do bhajans i will enjoy and for one hour in the middle of the night swami was with the devotees interacting with them for bhajans after that blessed them they were satisfied and then they went back home in fact it is said that in karur swami would often walk on different parapet walls so that all the devotees could have darshan on either side you know walk across because all the homes have a common compound wall so the uh, compounds are all connected swami keeps walking on the different compound walls and everybody on either side keeps getting darshan so how much ever the devotees thirsted that much the lord thirsted to grant them and slake their thirst and you know looking at all these uh, beautiful stories when swami went to karur there were thousands when he went to udmalpe there were thousands mysore bangalore wherever he went there were thousands but something which keeps repeating in the narrative of all these old devotees is that not all could hold on you know many had to fall by the wayside and that reminds us of the analogy which shirdi baba used to give mm. you know when he was asked why devotees come and go and he points out to that mango tree correct he says that do all these flowers turn into mangoes you know so many thousands fall away so many are eaten by birds right. so many are dropped mm. so i think being mangoes or being those mango flowers that's us we cannot do anything to become mangoes you know there is nothing much we can do from effort but to actually pray to swami that you know let us go through that entire journey and find that fulfillment mm. which actually gives meaning to our existence and we can only make that prayer to that mango tree and say that let me be that mango one of those lucky few which goes through really and with that prayer to our dear swami placing our gratitude at his lotus feet for this golden beautiful great opportunity to live and relive his wonderful leelas and stories we thank all our listeners for being with us and as always any feedback any question whatever you wish to share please do share with us 
the email id to do so is listener@radioside.org all your mails give us tremendous joy inspiration happiness thank you jai sairam Sairam you just heard an episode of our radio series afternoon satsang this is a discussion between radio sai's prem and arvind on different spiritual topics and the topic of today's episode was satyam shivam sundaram the life story of bhagwan sri satya sai baba this was first featured as part of radio sai's thursday live at 12:30 pm on october 3rd 2013 We hope you enjoyed it. Your comments and suggestions are very important to us. Please mail them to listener at radiosci.org. Next week, same day, same time, will be the continuation of today's episode. Stay tuned. Thank you and loving Sairam from Prashant Nilayam.